Okay, guys, we are in, we're going to look at two chapters today in Numbers, Numbers uh, 13 and 14, and we're going to talk about the 12 spies. Now, we have uh, looked at this probably, if you have, maybe through the years in Sunday school, children's Sunday school especially, this is usually a, a good story to share with the kids, but there are some implications that we can kind of overlook by just thinking about the children's version, uh, because there's actually something a whole lot more going on here, and it's Israel's attitude towards God, period, okay? Israel's attitude towards God, period. So we're going to look at that today. So if you have your notes, we're going to kind of go through this. First of all, in chapter 13, verses 1 to 25, we're going to see that they're going to send out the spies, because God commands them to. So the Lord commanded that Moses uh, send out uh, send out men to spy out the land that he was giving them. So they're supposed to go and check out the land, be aware of what's there. Remember, they've never been there. Their family hasn't been there for 400 and some years. So if you're going to go somewhere and take it, you need to know what you're facing, right? So he, they're supposed to send out spies. They were to select one man who was a leader from each of the tribes. Now when you look at the list of tribes, you'll notice that there's one tribe that is not mentioned, and that's Levite. Levite tribe is not mentioned as one of the tribes that's supposed to send out spies, but the other 12 tribes are. You say, well, there are 12 tribes, George. Yes, the tribe of Joseph, but Joseph's tribe actually has two tribes half-tribe of Manasseh, and half-tribe of Ephraim. So that makes 12 tribes plus the Levites. So from those 12 tribes, we're going to see they're supposed to select a leader, a leader from those tribes, a prominent leader from those tribes to go into the land. Now, you'll notice it's very clearly said here in the scripture, it'll be mentioned again in the book of Revelation, they refer to the tribe of Joseph. And the Numbers text makes it very clear that the tribe of Joseph is identified as the tribe of Manasseh. Okay? It's identified as the tribe of Manasseh. Alright, so the tribe of Joseph is identified as the tribe of Manasseh. And that's because Manasseh was the firstborn. Alright? Now, Moses sent the men into the mountains located in the south of Canaan. So, makes sense. If you're going to check out the land, if you're going to look around to see what's going on, you're going to send folks spying out to go to the highest elevation to kind of look around and see what's on the horizon. Now, you say, you know, you know, you could go to a high elevation here and just see another hill. Well, we're not talking here. Did you know what I'm saying? Because sometimes maybe you think about when you're hunting, you're like, oh, I like to hunt over here and I can look out and there's another hillside. There's a valley in between us. It's not that way in there in, in Canaan or in Israel or in Palestine. You could get up on a hill and look out probably out to the sea. Okay? Probably out to the sea. And so they could get a good view of the cities and the fortified cities and everything in the plane and have a good idea of what's going on. They were to assess the strength of the inhabitants 
and their defenses. So, of course, if you're going to spy it out, and if you're, especially if you're going to go in there and conquer, you want to know what you're facing, right? So you want to know what's the strength of the inhabitants, and you want to know what kind of defenses they have. Are they in fortified cities, or, or are they just spread out everywhere? What, what, how are they living there, okay? How are they living? So that's what they're supposed to be checking on. Now, they're told one other thing. They were to bring some of the produce from the land of Israel. So when they go in there, they're not just to check out the defenses and check out. They're supposed to check out, okay, what's the land to offer? What's it going to be like? I mean, they've been in Egypt. They know what Egypt has. It doesn't have much. But they're supposed to go in and they're supposed to bring back some produce. In fact, the text tells you that it's the grape harvest time. The time that they were to send out the spies was the time in which the grapes were ready. So they were to bring back some of the fruits, okay? Some of the fruits of the land. So this is their job, all right? So they returned to Moses after spying out the land for 40 days. So while they're there spying out the land, they're to return after 40 days, and they did. They returned 40 days after they had done that. So, okay, so here's what happens. Okay, so if I'm sending out the spy, so let's say I pick 12 of you folks here, and I send you out. After 40 days, you would come back, and who would you report to? Me. Okay, you would think, yeah, I'll, I'll go meet with George and tell him what's happening. Uh, not, not, that's not what they did here. When the spies returned, they gave their report, and it tells you that they gave their report to the whole congregation. Wow, that's a lot of people, okay? And showed Moses, showed the fruit to Moses and the assembly. Wow, so if Moses doesn't even get like the first glimpse of what's going on here, Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation are there to hear the report from everybody. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Because politicians today, well, let me know, and then we'll figure out how to spin it. Let me know, and I'll, we'll figure out how to spin it. That's how we operate today. Well, that's not how they operated in Moses' day. Hey, the 12 spies are here. Okay, so they gather the assembly. You're talking about a lot of folks to give a report to. All right? To give a report to. So let's look at the report. Okay, so let's take a look and see what they said about it, okay? So they reported that the land truly flowed with milk and honey. Truly flowed with milk and honey. Now, before you start thinking that there's that in the land at that time they had streams of milk flowing, okay, and honey just pouring out of the trees, that's, you know, it kind of sounds that way. It's actually a... It's actually a literary tool. It's actually an expression to flow, to, to, to express that uh, basically the land has an abundance for everyone. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because when you think about milk and you think about honey, those are two primary things that people would want. Okay? Primary things that people want. And the land's just flowing with it. That's just kind of an expression. All right? So they come back and they say, yes. The land is truly flowing with milk and honey. Okay, so that, that glowing report. Truly flowing with milk and honey. However, here's what they did. 
However, the people, the folks who are there, the people of the land are strong and dwell in fortified cities. The people of the land are strong and dwell in fortified cities. So, yeah, this is a wonderful place, but we got to tell you, I mean, these people are strong. They got these big, huge cities, and if they're fortified, they're strong. Here's what else they said. They also reported that they saw the descendants of Anak. Now, you're going to see this referred to in several different places in the Old Testament. You'll notice I gave you a note there that talks about Anak. It's mentioned once again, the descendants of Anak, or the children of Anak are mentioned in Deuteronomy. Joshua mentions them, and Judges mentions them. Who are they? Well, usually when they refer to the children of Anak, they refer to them as giants. Your text may refer to them as giants. Now, I don't want you thinking of, like if you watch the Lord of the Ring movies, I don't want you thinking of a giant ogre, okay? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody tall, probably similar to uh, Goliath in 1 Samuel. Scientists believe, scholars believe, that what was going on here is that these folks... Oh, wait, let me back up. Some people will say, some people will say, well, these are the giants from Genesis chapter 6. Okay? These are the giants from Genesis chapter 6. Now, what's the problem with that statement? The flood. Everybody died except who? Noah and his, you know, his sons and their wives. Okay, so it can't be, they can't be descendants from that. Okay? Well, maybe they were that tall they were just above the water. No, they weren't. Okay? Alright, so this is not possible. Alright, so what scientists believe is, there is such a thing today called giantism. You ever heard of it? What is it? It's usually because of a defect of the pituitary gland. Usually people who struggle with giantism have a problem with their pituitary gland, and so scholars believe that probably the, the descendants of Anak had a genetic problem, a genetic problem, with their what? Their pituitary gland, so they grew big. And even they believe that Goliath may have been somehow a descendant of them. If you remember, when you talk about Goliath, he had not five fingers on each hand, but how many fingers? Six. That's all part of the giantism. Okay? Six fingers, six toes. Isn't that awesome? You know what I'm saying? You know, you, you know, you, have you ever done this little piggy went to the market with your kids? You couldn't do that, but you'd have to come up with another, whatever the little piggy did, right? You know what I'm saying? If you have six digits, okay? So they said there's giants in the land. There's the descendants of Anak, okay? The descendants of Anak, all right? So that's what they're expressing here. Now, Caleb is from the tribe of Judah. He is the leader who was selected from the tribe of Judah. So Caleb quieted the people and said they should go up and at one, go up at once and take the land. Okay? Caleb says, all right, yeah, I know there's giants in the land. Yeah, I know they're in fortified cities. But man, it's flowing with milk and honey. Let's go take it. That's what Caleb said. Caleb said, let's go take the land. Ten of the spies said that the people are strong and that they cannot go against the people. So ten of them. Ten of the spies said, wait a minute, hold on, hold on, I know Caleb said this, but there's no way. 
They're strong. They're strong. And we can't go up against these people. Okay? We can't go up against these people. They stated that Israel was insignificant compared to the people of the land. In fact, here's what he said. We would be like grasshoppers is what the text says. Okay? Grasshoppers. Now how, I mean, how many, I know some of you get freaked out by bugs, but how often do you get freaked out by a cricket in your yard? You get, you get freaked out by a cricket or, you know, or a grasshopper? No. If you want to get rid of them, you just get rid of them. You squash them, right? And that's what they're saying. We're, we're kind of like crickets and grasshoppers to these folks. Okay? We're kind of like crickets and grasshoppers. Now, here's where it gets a little bit different from what we typically teach in Sunday school. Typically, when we teach in Sunday school, we talk about the issue of faith, okay? We talk about the issue of the faith of the ten versus the faith of Joshua and Caleb, and we encourage the kids to have faith to help God to get them over their obstacles and stuff, right? I want you to notice the text goes into detail here to talk about how the people reacted, because, I want you to think about this for a moment, two years before, they left Egypt. They left slavery. God carried them over the Red Sea, through the Red Sea. They saw the destruction of the Egyptian army. First of all, they saw the plagues on Egypt. God took them to Sinai. They saw God, or the presence of God on the mountain, the presence of God coming onto the tabernacle, the presence of God at the tent of meeting, God providing the manna and everything. So they're seeing God in mighty ways. And, and so their hope has been, we're going to go take this land. We're going to go and do. This is what they've been on a journey for. They want to go and take the land, right? So they get this report now that, hey, it's great, but there's no way. The obstacle's too great. There is no way. We're just going to get squashed. We're just going to get squashed. So here's how the people responded. They responded to the report by weeping into the night. What? They're devastated. All right, think about this for a moment. Have you ever had your hopes up so high for something? You ever had your hopes up? You had a goal. We're going to do this. And then all of a sudden, that goal disappears. That the things that that spring up to keep you from having to go. Have you ever been really disappointed that it just bothers you into the night? And when I'm not talking, when I'm talking about weeping into the night, I'm not just talking about oh, they're just crying. Oh, I'm not talking about that. You can weep without crying. You can be emotionally bothered by things into the night, right? You know what I'm saying? That's what's going on here. These folks are emotionally spent because here they are, they've been trying to to uh, go take the land and now they're told there's no way they can take the land. The enemy's too great, too big. So they weep into the night. Now here's what they do. This is what gets crazy. All right? They began to complain against Moses and Aaron as they wished that they had stayed in Egypt. Now, isn't that crazy? Now they're complaining, like, oh, we're here because of these two guys. We should have stayed in Egypt. And you notice they're forgetting what it was like in Egypt, the taskmaster's whips, the slavery. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
We wish we should have just stayed there. We should have just stayed there. Stop for a moment. You ever get like that? God tells you to head in a direction. You go in that direction and then you get disappointed with what happens because it doesn't turn out like you think it's going to be. And you say to yourself, well, God, why did you bring me here? You should have just left me. You should have just left me back there. And you forget what it was like back there. It wasn't the greatest place. That's why you went and did what God told you to do because you were hoping for something better. That's what's going on here. So they're complaining against Moses and Aaron and they wish that they had stayed in Egypt. Okay, they wish that they had stayed in Egypt. So here's what they decided to do. They decide to select a leader. Okay, we need to pick somebody among us and let's head back to Egypt. Hold on, folks. Can I be honest with you? Yeah, it's been two years. But they're not thinking, are they? Okay, so you're going to go back to Egypt. What are the Egyptians going to do? You know what I'm saying? Oh, you're back. Wonderful. You're the reason why we lost our army. You're the reason why our land is devastated. Come on back in. We'll welcome you with leeks and onions all you want, buddy. Is that what they're going to do? I mean, think about it. This is only two years. I mean, if you had that kind of devastation, would you forget the devastation after two years and welcome them back? No, some of us have pretty long memories, don't we? But that's what they're thinking. We're going to select a leader and we're going to head back. We're going to return to Egypt. Now here again, the two who gave the report to go up, Joshua and Caleb, they tore their clothes. Now this is how they, in their culture, even to this day, the Jews, when they express their emotion, especially their distraughtness, their, 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 their negative feelings about something, what they would do is just tear their clothes as a visible sign of the emotional turmoil that they're in, of the distress that they're in. So they tore their clothes and called the people not to rebel against the Lord. They got their, their minds on right. They're like, wait a minute, guys, folks, stop, don't do this. First of all, remember we just talked about last week, people complaining against the Lord, and what did he do? Broke the fire out among them, and they had to, I mean, so it's not like, Seriously, hello? This is what Caleb and Joshua were trying to do. Like, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't rebel against the Lord. Hey, by the way, does it appear to you that they're forgetting about God and all of this? Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're forgetting about the Lord. In fact, it gets pretty bad now. As the people sought to stone them. So here's what the people decided to do. Well, we're getting rid of these two guys. Grab a stone. We're getting rid of them. I mean, here's Caleb and Joshua trying to calm the people down, trying to get them to think about the Lord, and they're like, we're getting rid of you, okay? So as they were getting ready to stone them, the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of the meeting. Now remember the tent of the meeting? That's where you go to meet God. It was outside of the camp. And they would see the glory of God in the cloud coming down, and so everybody's realizing, okay, God's here. And so they stopped stoning, stopped wanting to stone. Okay? Stop wanting to stone him. God shows up at the right time, doesn't he? So here, now we see the judgment of God. Okay? Now we see the judgment of God. The Lord asked Moses concerning how long the people would reject him. 
First thing out of the Lord's mouth is, how long are these people going to reject me? In fact, a little bit further in the text, he'll say, it's been ten times already. Wow, ten times. If you go back in the scripture, you'll see ten times that they have rejected the Lord. Ten. Now, how patient are you with somebody? If you, all right, let's let's. Uh, we'll pick on you, Bruce. Okay. All right, Bruce. Let's say you tell Sam over here to do something, and ten times Sam just blows you off. Would you wait till ten times of blown, being blown off by Sam to tell him what to do? No. How many times? I mean, how many times of being blown off by Sam would you tolerate? Maybe two. God does have a, he is long suffering, okay, but even God has a limit. And if he didn't have a limit, there wouldn't be an end of the world that's coming, right? Okay? God has a limit. Now, he's a lot more patient than you and I, but my illustration is simply to say, I don't know that I would have put up with it ten times. Do you know what I'm saying? Because he's shown himself mighty with them how many times, folks? A lot. Do you know what I'm saying? And he's even expressed himself in anger towards them several times. Yes, plus he's God. Okay? So the Lord asks Moses concerning, how long are these people going to reject me? All right? How long are these people going to reject me? Now, all right, so the Lord stated that he would destroy the people. So God says, okay, I'm done. We're going to destroy the people and I'll make you a great nation, Moses. Now think about this. Moses is in his 80s. Now he just took another wife from the Cushite. Remember we just saw that? Okay. But he says, okay, Moses, I'm done with them. I'm done with them, Moses. We're going to start just with you. And I'll make you a great nation. All right? Now somebody would say, well, sounds like God's having a temper tantrum. No, he's not. He's frustrating. And I, I just had this discussion with Randy on Friday. Sometimes we think that God doesn't have emotions, but God does have emotions. How do I know he has emotions? Because he created you an emotional being because you were created in the image of who, folks? God. Okay, so what you're seeing here is his frustration with stiff-necked, stubborn people. Okay? You ever met stiff-necked, stubborn people? No, we're, we're perfect in our area around here. There's no stubborn people in Clearfield County, right? Okay? So, listen. The Lord stated that he would destroy and make them a nation. Now, I want you to see what Moses does. Moses does something amazing. Like, okay, first of all, does Moses have a reason to be upset with the people too? I mean, he, we just saw last week that he said, God, I can't handle these folks. Kill me. Okay, so here's what Moses does. Moses objected and stated that the Egyptians would slander the Lord. Lord, you can't do this. The text very clearly says that. Lord, you can't do this. Because if you do this, think about what the Egyptians would say. That you took the people out of Egypt, out of slavery, to kill them. You would be slandered by them, Lord. That's not the only thing Moses says. Moses said, it will be said that the Lord could not bring the people into the land. The people of the land, Lord. The people, the Canaanites and the Jezebites and the Hittites and all of the folks in Canaan, they would say, you brought them out and you weren't strong enough, Lord, to bring them into the land. 
God, if you destroy them, they'll say that you weren't able to bring them in. So you just wiped them out. Makes sense what, what Moses is saying, right? Okay. So Moses calls on the Lord to forgive and pardon the people in his long suffering. So here's what he says. Lord, forgive them. Pardon them their iniquity. Because you are long suffering. Lord, in your long suffering, you forgive them. You pardon them. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? So here, listen to this. So the Lord says, okay, I'll, I'll forgive them. So while the Lord pardoned Israel as Moses asked, he said, but they're not going into the land. These folks who rejected me and wouldn't go take the land knowing that I would help them take the land, they're not going to go in the land. Every single one of them is going to die in the wilderness. Every single, their children will go into the land, but they won't. I mean, they're forgiven, but they're going to face the consequences. Now, isn't that interesting? Folks, this is so true throughout the scripture. Listen to me. Does God forgive? Does he remove consequences? No. No, never. Sometimes the consequences are harder than you realize, right? I mean, he says basically every one of them are going to drop in the desert dead. Whoa. Well, God's serious sometimes about our sin, isn't he? He was serious about theirs. While the Lord pardoned Israel, as Moses asked, the people would not enter the land. Now look, here's what he says. But only Caleb and Joshua, they'll enter the land. Caleb and Joshua will enter the land because they had a different spirit. And you see that when we get to when we get to Joshua, guess who enters the land? From all those original folks, who enters the land? Caleb. Caleb says, give me that mountain. And Joshua, who's what? Leading all of them in. They're the only two out of that generation. Everybody else would die in the desert. So the Lord told him to turn and head to the way of the Red Sea. So he basically said, okay, turn around. Head back towards the Red Sea. Take the way to the Red Sea. That's basically like taking I-80 to the Red Sea. Hop on I-80 now. That's what the way of the Red Sea is. It's, it's a path. It's a roadway. Hop on that I interstate system and head back towards the Red Sea. Wow. And then here's what the Lord did. He killed the ten spies with a plague for bringing a bad report. He just went ahead and took care of those ten. Isn't that, I mean, amazing, isn't it? Amazing. So after hearing about God's judgment, isn't, have you ever said that somebody's thick? You ever said, you, you're just thick. You're just not comprehending. Folks, these folks are thick. Listen to it. After hearing about God's judgment, the people decided to go and take the land. Isn't that amazing? All right, you're not going to take the land now. You're, there's no way you could take the land. God's not going to go with you. Turn around, let's head back to the Red Sea. Oh, guess what? We're going to take the land. So they decide to go and take the land. And the text says that they go and try to take the land, but Moses stays behind with Aaron and says, okay, go ahead. There's no sense. Don't go. Don't go do it. But they try to. They decided to go and take the land. 
After being warned not to go and sin against God, they made an attempt and were defeated. So here they go. They try to go and take the land, and guess what? They're destroyed. They're defeated. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. 